The following podcast is a Dear Media production. And just like that, your favorite besties and tastemakers, Benito Skinner and Mary Beth Barone are back. Did you miss us? You know they did. Join us every Wednesday on your way to Sephora to hear our witty, ridiculous and irreverent musings on life, the universe, existence and of course what we currently ride for. You're going to absolutely live slash die for this podcast. You might even, dare we say, ride for it. I'm excited because, A, I just want to chit-chat because this is actually going to come out next week. So oh. we're just like real time. My parents are going to be so excited. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I love your parents. <laughs> Shout out. Chloe's dad is the greatest. Well, your mom is also amazing. But there's a family joke in my family about Chloe's dad because my uncle is someone who like loves to do things to like make people's lives easier, if that makes sense. Like he's a big travel pickup organizer. He's like airport dad. Airport dad, 100%, which like I do not have an airport dad. And... Chloe's dad, when we went to Chicago for Taylor Swift, like drove us to the arena. Where, what arena was it? Where'd you play? L- Lincoln? Yes. No, no, that's, no Philly. that's Philly. You went to that one too. I did. What the fuck is it called? You I, should know this. So- Soldier Field. Thank you. And not only dropped us off, but then picked us up. Picked us up with Luminati's pizza and a gluten-free one for me. Like he was just amazing. He so was really excited about that. My uncle's like really jealous of him because he couldn't be there in Chicago, his hometown, to do all the drives and pickups. So it's an ongoing joke. Whatever. We love Chloe's parents. Come on in, take a seat, pour a drink, pass one to me. I want to talk about a few things because I think I asked you to come on and you were like, was that text meant for me? <laughs> I, I genuinely thought you texted me like it was meant for. No, it was meant for you. That's amazing. Because I want to talk about work stuff. But then also I think, A, just our relationship, I find like fun and interesting. But B, also, I think as someone who is just like figuring out their life in early 30s, are you not 30? Late 20s. Late 20s. Don't age me. <laughs> Your face just dropped. <laughs> As I said it, I was like, wait, I don't think Chloe's had her 30th birthday. You're early 30s. Yeah. I mean, I think of us of. as the same age. Yeah, me too. So I just think you're my age. But figuring out work stuff, not drinking, all of, all of the above. I love it. So do we want to kick off somewhere specific? Probably what you do. Okay. Can you explain? Because I say you're like the creative brain behind my brand. Do you like that title? I, I love that title. Mm-hmm. I haven't quite nailed my elevator pitch. Do you want to work on it? Yeah. I, well, I was so curious how you would describe what, you do? what I do for you. Okay. So if someone asked me like, oh, and sometimes people will like, oh, do you have anyone that works? I hate works for you. That feels really weird Works with? Work, I say works with. But there's Kelsey, who's like my right hand, who runs my like everyday life and like the back end, almost business organization. And then I say Chloe is like the creative brain behind everything where I tell you this all the time. I literally think you're the most like creative, smartest person I've ever, ever communicated with. It's wild to me how your brain works. Like I can't comprehend it. It's really mind blowing. And I think you're going to run the world one day, but where you will come up with all the ideas of any trending videos or how to like capture a sentiment from one form of content and make it into digestible 
and trend worthy content on another platform. So like I feel it's so easy for us because we're also so close. You can now kind of understand how my brain works, where if I am talking about something in a podcast, you're able to be like, oh, that sentiment would go really well on a reel over this video. And like, you know, every fucking trending sound to begin with. And then you're also like, we can use that with this TikTok audio that's trending right now and make it more of like a, what's the type of word for that type of video? Do you know what I mean? Like if like not a viral, a, like a viral. Yeah. So you understand how to pull like one sentiment and put it across different platforms and use trending audios, like dances, whatever that type of thing. You just I know. I wish you could do a dance. You know what's happening. I feel like it's the easiest with you and my clients that I'm really close with right. because I feel like I'm inside your brain. You are. And because we talk all the time, I know what's going on in your life. I know how you're feeling. Yeah. So when I see a trend or I see something happening, I, it's very easy for me to look at it through the lens of you Yeah, because I know what's going on in your life. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of something you told me about yesterday with the with the babies or something that you did with Joe or this reminds me of yeah. classic your mom or your sibling dynamic. And so that's what makes my job easy. But it's really remarkable. I think about this a lot where you're just like, well, send me something. First of all, just the editing, the, the whole thing would take me so long. And it's my least favorite part of this job. Like I know some people love the editing. They really get into it. I hate it. I wish I could just talk. I, what I wish and kind of what we've created is I could just have someone constantly on like an earplug and I could just say all of my thoughts throughout the day. And then somehow that would be content that would like be digestible to everyone because that's where I feel so overwhelmed, especially right now. I feel very behind and I don't mean that in comparison to anyone else. I just mean like my thoughts and my content feel behind because I have so many thoughts and I haven't been able to get them all out to like share and to engage with my community. And I always tell you, I'm like, just let it roll. I know. I and try. we'll edit it. I try, but it's hard. It's No, but you're great at that. Like you really, I also think you are, you can edit content as well. And I say this with the content creators that I work with. It's not that you're not capable. It's more, how do you want to spend your time? And yeah. I think as talent who belong in front of the camera, your time is sometimes better used elsewhere versus on the back end editing or cutting things up or repurposing content. And that's the stuff yes. that I love to do. Like I'm, I don't like being in front of the camera. Well, that was my other question. Okay, wait, back to your elevator pitch. Is there oh. anything you would add to what I said? So I think that's how I work with you. And mm. I would say in general, I, I say I do social media strategy, but I think what I do is very tailored to each person that I'm working with. So for you, for example, yeah. I'm not with you in person that much, but I can send you content or you're, you'll be filming something and you'll put it in our shared album and I'll, I'll just run with it. Right. Or I have clients that don't like to film content. And so I will go over there and shoot with them in person. Or sometimes I have to script things out. We do branded stuff. Sometimes I'll do mm -hmm. branded content execution with people. I also think, you know, I have moments where we're on set and I do like a mood board for set, which right. I don't know if that would fall under social media strategy, but I feel like I, there are things outside my scope that I just find myself doing because, you know, you, you learn as you go. Have you always been interested in the like, cre like, do you, yeah, like identify I, as creative? Yes. I yes. I think though in high school, I was the girl with the digital camera making the Facebook albums mm -hmm. in college. Like my friends used to make fun of me for it. In college, I made the the Rush video. Okay, like so I love, or I did the Tumblr. Like I love. What the fuck is Tumblr? Like, we had Tumblr. I don't know. We had Tumblrs for Rush. That was what like is Tumblr? 
Uh, it was I like, should probably know this. No, but it was like a place where you just had a bunch of photos and there would be music. Okay. I don't know if people still still use it. Okay. But it was like a homepage basically for, I remember our Rush video. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I loved doing that stuff. And so I think I always enjoyed it. I just didn't see it as a career option until post-grad. Well, I also think that now there are so many more careers in this industry that like, I mean, when- They we- didn't exist five years ago. Right. TikTok didn't exist. Right. Wait, were you a Kappa? Yeah. Are we sisters? Adelphi. I don't remember the handshake. Something like here. Did I do it? <laughs> I think I just said the password that we're not supposed to say, but whatever. You're going to get kicked out. You, I, yeah, I probably should have been. You also went to the hotel, hotel school. school, which blows your mind. Blows my fucking mind. Do you remember my when you experience at there? Cornell? Yeah. I just don't understand. Why is there a hotel on a college campus? And like the fact that you just worked in a hotel. Literally, like the text I was sending you when I was there was flabbergasted. My friends loved that. Most of my friends are hotelies. So can you explain? Yeah. So (laughs) Cornell has, I think, seven colleges and they have the basic, you know, arts and sciences, engineering, Mm -hmm. and then they have the hotel school, which functions kind of like their business school. I actually think they rebranded it. I'm not the best ambassador, but you took classes that were finance, marketing, they just all had a hospitality angle. So the case studies that you'd be working on would be uh, for a hotel group or an airline or, you know, but part of the core curriculum was working in the hotel on campus. So it was like a a student run hotel. Yeah, It was a nice hotel. You enjoyed your stay at the Statler? Enjoyed my stay. Yes. Did you remember having one issue with like, I was rushing when I got there? I mean, yes, I enjoyed my stay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think there were kids... I think the students were the people when I called for like the, whatever the restaurant is, I had room service sent up quickly and like it was all students. I, and I yes. was very confused. There are adults in the building, but I think the idea is that, you know, they say, oh, I think it was 20% when I was there, 30% actually go into operations in the hotel business after. Okay. Most people go into real estate or development and finance and even marketing roles or general manager roles. But the idea is that if you've done every level of the business, it'll make you so much better at, you know, if you have a, a position where you are overseeing all those things, if you understand what it's like to be in housekeeping, which we did for mm-hmm. a day, then yeah. you have a better sense of, you know, managing those schedules if you're the GM of a hotel. Which all makes sense. The same way that you would be in the mailroom and work your way up to being an agent. While I'm in my postpartum in between clothing sizes era and trying to figure out what the heck I want to put on my body, I am so grateful for Quince. Even though I love a good luxury item, it doesn't always make sense for me to purchase, especially right now when I'm unsure what my body will look like in a few months. And that is one of the main reasons why I love them. Quince is my go-to for luxury essentials at affordable prices. Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices within reach, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters, starting at $50, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14-karat gold jewelry. Quince creates timeless classics that never go out of style, items that you'll have in your closet forever, which makes putting together an outfit way easier. Plus, if you are someone who this new year is looking to build a capsule wardrobe, they have all of your must-haves. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Talk about a massive win. Since it is sweater weather and time to layer all things comfortable before heading outside in the cold, I'm relying on their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters to throw on with a pair of jeans or leggings and underneath a big warm jacket. It is the simplest, easiest, and coziest outfit for the winter months. 
Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Cameron for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Cameron to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Cameron. With the new year, I feel like everywhere I look, people are setting new goals and resolutions for themselves. And quite honestly, I'm just trying to get my bearings while still in the newborn stage. Along with the lack of sleep and pure chaos that comes with postpartum, I am pretty behind in the household tasks that I own, one of those being groceries. I talk about this a lot with my mom friends, and it seems I'm not alone. It is a draining task to keep up on top of the food needs for a household, especially with a toddler. Never in my life have I seen a human snack the way toddlers do. It is never ending and around the clock. To meet our family's grocery needs, I heavily rely on Thrive Market. They have been a huge staple in my life for the past five years, but especially now that I am a mom. Thrive Market is my go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials. Without fail, we have an order arriving every four to six weeks to replenish our pantry. Not only do they have all of the products I love and brands like Simple Mills, Chomps, Siete, Three Wishes, Go Macro, and so many more, but I'm constantly finding new brands to try. Especially for our toddler, the snack rotation is ever-growing thanks to some brands I've recently found while perusing the site. And we just ordered and are loving the Scout Organic Bars and the Thrive Market brand Organic Fruit Circles. Plus, I love that they get delivered right to my door. Not having to leave the house to go grocery shopping is truly one of the greatest gifts you can give a new mom. We just recently placed an order to load up our pantry with snacks, cereal, and other staples, and we saved over $90. The savings are unparalleled with, on average, over 30% each time. If you find a better price somewhere else, they also have a price match guarantee. Plus, my favorite part is that when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership match program. You join and they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Cameron for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Cameron. Thrivemarket.com slash Cameron. Now you graduate. And you don't go to work. And like, how did you end up doing what you're doing now? I interned at NBC my junior year. And so then when I graduated, I went back to NBC and I was doing branded content. It was called the content studio at the time. And it was within their ad sales department. And we were working on creating digital first content for advertisers. So NBC would already have lots of brands come in and spend, you know, big budgets. And it would say for an incremental X amount, we could do digital first content that will live across the Today Show Facebook. And it's so funny at the time it was Facebook and and Instagram. And that's what I started doing on the brand side. And I liked it, but I think marketing means something different anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. And so being a marketing coordinator at NBC, I spent most of my time making PowerPoint decks, which again, it was such an amazing learning experience. And I had such great mentors that I still talk to today. But I think I was itching to be more hands-on. Yeah. And that didn't come until COVID when I was furloughed and I got connected with Serena Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine connected us and she was looking for some support. And I was working with her on branded content because I had historically, you know, been building those briefs. And I was helping her distill those briefs and really execute content that fell in her voice and was going to resonate mm-hmm. with her audience. And then we also started working together on the organic side. You know, we put up flyers across New York City with QR codes because she had her her Instagram live dating show. We were figuring out TikTok together. We were having so much fun and I was learning so much. 
but I didn't really see it as a career at that point. For me, it was something that was just keeping me busy and I loved working with her. And then, you know, things were subsiding with with COVID and people were hiring again. And mm-hmm. I said, I need to go get health insurance and a 401k. <laughs> and she was like, absolutely. And then, you know, we stayed in touch and I did some freelance stuff for her on the side. And she turned to me one day and she said, you know, this could really be a career opportunity for you. And I was like, you're crazy. And she said, there's so many people like me that just don't have the bandwidth to do all of this. Because I think historically talent would show up and you would be on set and someone would script out what you were going to say and you'd have a director and a producer and an editor and and you were in front of the camera and then you left and everything else was kind of handled. And now in this new age of social media, the talent is also the writer, director, producer, editor, copywriter. And there's not time. And I love working with talent. And so she said that and and I laughed and then I thought about it a little more and she kind of confidence coached me into, into doing it. And so I left Viacom where I was at the time, again, doing something similar in influencer marketing. I left March 2021 or 2022. When did I meet you? Well, I was thinking about this. I, I had already given birth. I met you in April. I think it was 2022. Then that would have been 2022. Yeah. I had already given birth. I left in March 2022. I had, I don't, I don't think I really had clients yet. No, I think when you emailed me, you had only been working with Serena Serena. at that point. And I, I gave myself a year. I said, if in a year, Mm -hmm. this isn't profitable, corporate America is not going anywhere. No. But I hadn't, I had no idea what I was doing. When I emailed you, I just (laughs) knew I liked your content and I'd seen you around the West Village. Yeah, but I also think that like what you just said of leaving the corporate world and taking this chance, whatever. And I say this about with my switch too. There's so much privilege, obviously, involved in this sentiment, but the corporate world is not going anywhere. And if you're really passionate about something, I'm never telling everyone to quit the corporate world because it has such incredible benefits. So a PTO. You don't realize in t- maternity leave. Right. I mean, hopefully you don't realize until they're gone how great they were. But if you're really passionate about something and you think there's a way to grow it and you've reached the bandwidth of being able to put in the time while you're still working in the corporate industry, like if you have the means to take that risk, take the risk. Like right. I know people used to be like, well, what would I say on my resume? What, what you tried something and you failed, who cares? Or you you have founder and then a little <laughs> blurb and then, you know, whatever the next exactly. job is that you're hired for. But I do remember when I got that email from you just saying- I don't even remember how I got, I must've gone through your website. I guess. I don't know how I got I'm your sure. Email. Yeah. And at the time I wasn't hiring, I wasn't looking to hire anyone. But as I told Serena when she came on the show and I've told you like, her branded content is a different level. Like there's, she's, there's yeah, really nothing she's that compares. Amazing. And I mean that wholeheartedly. And so I was always really in awe of like the stuff she had been putting out and her ability to market herself and all of that. And so when you reached out, I was like, yeah, I'll meet, I'll meet with her, whatever. And then I loved you. And I was like, wait, this could work. And we said, we said four hours a month, I think. Right. Was what it was supposed to. That's like, where yeah, we started. Let's just do like something really small. But now... I mean, well, okay. I actually was going to ask you, what's the hardest thing about working with me? Because I have something in my head that I imagine it would be. And I'm curious. I really, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think you're difficult to work well, with. Well, you wouldn't tell me if you, I, I definitely like, tell you on your podcast. Yeah. Like, I feel it's hard that we've, not hard, but I always tell you, I send you random texts being like, reminder, just because we're close. I don't want you doing extra stuff that like you're not supposed to be but doing. But I don't think that's, that's not sp- specific to you. That's okay. like a, that's a fault that I have that as, a, as a people, people pleaser. No, just as a oh. people pleaser, I always want to go 
above and beyond. Yes, but I never want you to feel like that. Of, but it's but not I, coming from you. It, that's an internal thing. Okay. But yeah, no, I think the best part about my job is becoming friends with my clients. And then mm. the worst part about my job is that there are no boundaries. Yes, that's but I think what I want to reiterate. <laughs> but no, but I think, you know, you have, I have a work phone on my personal phone. Yeah. And for the most part, you know which one. I try one. so hard. Yeah, everyone tries really hard. And sometimes, you know, it's the wrong phone and no yeah. big deal. But typically we keep personal things. Like if we're texting over vacation and, yeah. you know, you're, when you were on maternity leave, if we were talking about things, it would go personal phone. Mm -hmm. And then if it's like a work thing, and even if you text me on a Sunday, you're like, hey, I had this thought. Don't don't deal with this until Monday. That's something I worry about myself as, I don't know what I would call myself. But like with anyone who, even like my therapist, like when I send texts, I need to get them out of my head. Right. Otherwise, it's like a nightmare for my ADHD because then I fear I'll lose the thought if I don't act on it right away. And I don't need it to be acted on right away, but I need it to be put somewhere that like it can be acted on when the time is right. Which I love when you clarify. You're okay. like, this is not timely. This is for yeah. this is for tomorrow. I and I do the same thing. Like if I send a text, I'll text you at like midnight. I know you're asleep. We operate on different schedules. Yeah, we're on different time zones. <laughs> but I'll text you at midnight, you know, for tomorrow. Right. And I said, now my therapist, I'm like, we have the agreement that I can just text her throughout the week thoughts and there's no ex expectation. expectation. She does not respond. But it's so that I remember what I want to talk about in therapy. I love that. And like some of them are, it's like so cryptic where she has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if she says it to me in the session, I'm like, yes, I it know exactly it. what I wanted to tell you. So I'm just firing off random fucking texts all the time to people in my life because that's the only way I can keep track of all my thoughts. Okay, so your work, what do you find is the hardest part in terms of like today's day and age social media as someone who's so heavily involved, but also not in front of the camera? I, first off, I always say I respect, I have so much respect for the people in front of the camera. I could never do Thanks. what you guys do. Like, I really, I think it takes a lot knowing one, the way that people respond to people on social media. Mm, um, yeah. But I think the most difficult part, and you and I talk about this and it's it filters into my job too, of there's almost too much data too much. available. Way too much. And I think that it becomes really hard because you, it's constantly a moving target. You're constantly chasing a high and it's not sustainable. So, you know, let's say we make a video and it and it goes viral. We're so excited. Oh, we see your follower growth and your engagement go up. And then to recreate that is is very difficult. And so mm -hmm. if you're not recreating it right away in every other piece of content that you post, you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm failing. Not you in general, but just yeah. even I, when I go in and I look at the numbers, I'm like, oh, well, this didn't perform as well as the last video. And mm -hmm. so I think the moving target aspect is so difficult. Like yes. you, you get to a point where you wanted to achieve that goal, but that goal has already changed. Which also I hate because so many of the videos that end up being viral are ones that I'm not proud of. It's right. random. Like I think about the- Your colonoscopy. I literally was just going to say pouring a bottle of Miralax into like a huge Gatorade liter for my colonoscopy prep is probably one of my most viewed TikToks. And like, <laughs> I don't care about that. Right. You know, where I think it's less on that side when something goes viral, I'm like, oh, that's funny. But it's more so if I do something that I'm really proud of and I really want to connect with people, not and for, for people the virality. To see it. virality. Right. I want more people to like understand that what they're experiencing, maybe I experience it and they're not alone and especially around motherhood stuff. And so then when that doesn't do well, I'm like, that sucks. Right. Why is a colonoscopy video 
The well, one, when you, know? you distill it down to its core, everything on social media is about a sentiment and storytelling. And so the the colonoscopy yeah. video probably went viral because so many people have been in that exact same position, pouring the bottle of Miralax <laughs> and Gatorade for their colonoscopy prep. And I think, you know, while that's not really your brand in general, yeah. I think that's why certain videos just really overperform. But I think, too, it's it's difficult when, you know, you're People always say you spend all this time on a video and like nobody sees it. And then you mm. throw something up just because always. why not? And that's the video that that blows up. So I do think also with social media, there's so much that's out of your control. And so anybody much. that says they're an expert with the algorithm. I fucking hate these people. They're lying. I just, I, I can't. There are certainly best practices that you could be doing, like using, you know, yeah. native text or hashtags or keywords. But I just, I don't believe that there's an expert because I don't, I don't even know when you speak to people on the platform side if they fully understand how the algorithms work. No. And I also, the people who claim to be experts in social media, I'm sorry, they give me the vibes of being like the creators who are posting how much money they make in a month and like how they became a multi-figure millionaire. If you're making that much money- By the way, we always watch- but if you're I watch making, those videos fully. <laughs> if you're making that much money, you don't need to be telling people you're making that much money. That's my sentiment on this all the time. It's like the people who make really good money don't need to put it in your face how much money they're making 24-7. Yeah. My belief. Whatever. It just gives me MLM vibes. <laughs> I'm like, why are why are you telling me how much money you make? And then you're gonna you're gonna charge me to show to me work with you. how to make money. Yeah. I, it doesn't make sense. I also, though, I'm always so curious, those people, I'm like, how do you have time to make your own content? If you're also working with clients. Oh, you mean like if you were. Yeah, if I were out here yeah. on TikTok telling people about the algorithm. I mean, I have no fucking idea. I, I'm impressed. I just. Maybe I they have another person. They probably have right, another Right. Then maybe they hire their own version of. But I think this is like, obviously not majority of my listeners are not creators. Right. Like the high majority are not. So I do just want to say, I feel this is, what's the word when it applies to other things? I'm Wide, so. Widely applicable. I guess. Yeah. My brain is not functioning. Today I voice noted <laughs> Chloe. I thought I was doing voice to text and I asked her a question. And I go at the end, question mark, because I'm so used to doing Siri voice to text. I, I knew exactly what you meant. When I sent a voice note, I, I giggled, said the words loud. Anyway, I always say that no matter what you're doing for work, you should be able and learn how to do all tasks that fall under the umbrella of your job. Because you never know when something is going to fall on your plate, whether like you've hired someone and they can't do it. Something happened to them. You end up losing them as an employee, whatever. You should know how to do all of the tasks applicable under your job and then assess what do you enjoy? What do you spend more time on than probably someone else would be able to do it? And like how to then best optimize that and then hire out right. to someone who's more applicable. So like you, your brain works so much fucking faster when it comes to social media trends, editing, all of that. Could I be spending more time on TikTok scrolling to know trends? Absolutely. But as you know, I don't like, I don't even listen to TikTok with sound on. Which is to me the craziest thing I've it's ever heard. crazy to me that people listen to TikTok with sound on. I think Instagram, <laughs> you scroll sound off. And I think TikTok, you must scroll. It, it, even when the app pops up, there's sound automatically. Yeah, well, my volume's always off on my phone. I don't have notifications. I have no volume on and I have no ring on. I override my ring for Joe, our sitter, and our son's school. Otherwise, wow. no one rings on my phone. But anyway, yes, I could be doing those things, but that is absolutely not the best way to optimize my time, yeah. in my opinion. And it's the same thing with the podcast. Like I knew how to edit, produce, release, all of that. But like that's a full-time job. Right. So 
no matter what you're doing, I do think it's so important to know how to do everything in case it in case someone gets sick, in case somebody is out and unavailable. But then hire out. Yeah. Because you're so much better at that portion of the job than like I could ever be. And it's also saves so much time. Would you ever in a million years want to be on camera? Like the talent? No. No. I really, I don't think my skin is thick enough. Like, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I don't think anyone's skin is thick enough. (laughs) I I agree, but I think, I think everybody that I work with is, you know, they're able to do it. Or we're just like delusional. That's kind of what I think. I was having a conversation with someone earlier, like this weekend, and she was asking me about it. And I was like, I think it's a mix of delusion and therapy. There, I mean, I'm in, I'm in therapy. I know, and I might be a little delusional, but yeah, I, I don't think, think in front of the camera is. Delusional. I used to, I used to think when I was so much younger, I thought that I wanted to be a red carpet correspondent. Oh, I could see you doing that. I mean, you know everything. Well, at the time, I didn't, I didn't have any reason as to why I wanted that. I think I've just always been interested in pop culture, mm-hmm. and I knew that. I didn't have a talent. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be an actress or a singer or a musician, but I loved that whole world. And again, this the job that I'm in now didn't exist, but I always envisioned myself on a red carpet, not the one posing on the red carpet, but, but like, like with on, celebrities. Yeah, on the red carpet. And you've done it. And now, yeah, now I'm on the carpet. I'm, I'm in the background holding the jackets and getting the content, but, but I, mean, I love it there. You meet some real <laughs> cool talent. But I love it there. I... Also, I have this delusional idea where like I would love to be doing interviews, like taking the podcast almost to a carpet, but I yeah. don't know anything about pop culture. Right. You're, it would, I would actually be, that would be a bit. Like, you, would would be be a at, bit. you wouldn't know I would have to ask who was. they are. Yeah, you'd be like, who are you? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> where, what were you, you nominated for? <laughs> who are you wearing? Right. What's that designer? Like, no, but not even what are you wearing. It's why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about yourself. You'd end up interviewing like their manager or their PR team because you wouldn't know. <laughs> yes. That'd be so good. Lucy was talking about coming on the show and like showing me famous people to see if I can know who oh, they I are. Oh, I love that trend. People do it like with their significant others. Well, yeah, it's it's me, unfortunately. We already <laughs> do it in our cousin's chat because yeah. they'll be talking. It was like in my group chat. Someone was like, what does everyone think about Gypsy Rose? And I said, what is that? Yeah, and they were said- like, what? No, it's a who. I'm like, I still don't know what the fuck is happening here. We're educating you slowly. No, it is. I mean, A, it's, I would say it would be more beneficial to my job if I knew more. Yeah. But, you know, you have me for that. Yes. But like, if you think about some of the podcasts that like pop off, they talk so much about pop culture. You could have had Gypsy on your podcast instead of me this week. No, I just mean like, (laughs) you know, I would probably be more interested. Like people would be, people love that that kind of stuff. Clearly. All right. So business aside, yeah. Something that I also love about you is I do feel, A, you're like a chameleon where you can, and maybe you think it's because you're a people pleaser, but I think that you can be thrown into any situation and really thrive. Like I think about, we went to the Harry Styles concert. I texted you last second. I was like, hey, I have another extra ticket. Do you want to come? And you just like immediately slid into the group that we were with. My friends, you've slid into my like family core group. I just feel you're a whole joke in my other group chat because of Lizzie. <laughs> like Your friends are like, who is this girl? No, it's more so Lizzie hates my Has Lizzie friend. been on the podcast? Yes, she has. Okay, I'm um, happy that she came before me. Oh my God, she'd murder me. <laughs> One of my best friends in second grade does not like that I have friends that she doesn't know. And like, she's the only one who wasn't living here. So she's the only one who hasn't met you. Right, right. Which is kind of shocking now because she moved back. But all of my other friends, you'd come up in conversation or I'd say like, Chloe's doing this really cool thing. She's with XYZ celebrity. And everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And Liz is like, fucking Chloe. 
this bitch. <laughs> I love Lizzie. And all of this stuff. Anyway, I forget why I was saying this. Oh, you just fit in anywhere, I feel, which is probably also why you do so well with work because I think people need to feel comfortable with others when filming things or when talking about content, et cetera. How do you feel being thrown into these situations when it comes to work, being in rooms with like some high profile celebrities, obviously we don't have to get into details, but like integrating yourself into that and making sure people feel comfortable because again, like sometimes you're talking about, I don't know if it's vulnerable, but that type of style. I I think again, part of what makes me good at my job is making people feel comfortable because it is a very vulnerable situation to be in front of the camera. So if I'm behind the camera directing or, you know, scripting something for you or feeding lines, it's you want to feel comfortable with that person, like a very Mm judgment-free zone. And so I like to kind of disarm everybody around me. And yeah, I think, I also think growing up, I, I moved around a bit. And so I was constantly in new situations with different types of people. And that's why now I, I love meeting new people. I, I don't have I don't have social anxiety. And I think going into a room where maybe I don't know anybody, I find that exciting. I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to leave here like with a, a new friend. You, like you wouldn't. Well, first of all, the fact that you go to dinner every single night. But <laughs> that's only because I can't cook. <laughs> but you like went to that one dinner where you knew no one like and you were so excited. Yeah. Whereas. OK, but here's a question. Yeah. I like meeting new people, but. I also really don't, cons- I don't know how to word this. Joe will say, look, it's not that I'm not social, but if there isn't- You need op- to recharge. I definitely need to recharge. And also if there's someone that I kind of know, but I'm not close with them you and they're gravitate. not new. No, I'm like, I don't want to go do it. Like, oh, like I a will peripheral. see someone across the street and like avoid. <laughs> I, I, By the way, I probably would too. But like actively, like I do this a lot. <laughs> Uh, where I'm just like, I don't want to talk. I think you're like a, whatever they say, an introverted extrovert or a... Yeah. I, I think social situations require a certain type of social battery. Yeah. And sometimes you want to shut it off. So like if you're in a position where you're not expecting to see that person or you're not, maybe you're home and you've had like an exhausting day and you don't want to go to that dinner, like that, that makes sense. Versus if you know you have an event coming up or you know mm-hmm. you have a dinner party, like I think you mentally prepare. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions to drink more water and stay healthier, but have you thought about upgrading the actual water you are drinking? Growing up, we were a plastic water bottle family, which I think is probably true for like majority of us 90s kids. And I'm constantly thinking about not only how much plastic we wasted by doing this, but also the quality of water with the significant levels of microplastics that we were actually taking in, especially given the fact that 90% of these bottles were actually sitting in my mom's suburban in the hot sun all summer long with our lacrosse and soccer games just melting away before we chugged them. Thankfully, we've learned a lot about providing better quality water over the years and companies like LifeStraw have made it their mission to provide safer drinking water. You trust your water filter pitcher to make tap safe to drink, but is it really doing anything? Most filters can't remove gross contaminants like bacteria, parasites, PFAS, and microplastics. LifeStraw Home is the kitchen upgrade you'll wish you made years ago. It's the only water pitcher that filters out over 30 contaminants, including bacteria, microplastics, and PFAS, and makes your water taste way better. I love that the filter is a sleek, hand-blown glass design, so it's perfect for your fridge or countertop. 
I'm a bit of an odd duck in the sense that I actually like my water room temperature. So I love that the filter can live on our countertop and not look misplaced. Some people think I'm insane for only drinking room temperature water. You you will just have to let me know if you agree. Most importantly, LifeStraw fights for the planet and gives back. For every pitcher sold, a child in need receives a year of safe water. Over 9 million kids to date. Better filtration, better taste, better design. LifeStraw home products can be found at lifestraw.com and on Amazon. You all know how important my morning routine is to me and what a vital role my glass of AG1 plays in that. If you're a longtime listener, you know that I've been drinking AG1 for over five years now. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I noticed I had increased energy first thing in the morning and that it helped with my digestion throughout the day. AG1 is a science-driven formulation of ingredients that includes adaptogens to help balance my body's stress response and elevate my baseline health. As a creature of habit, it is absolutely my preferred method of starting my day. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously redefining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only am I constantly recommending AG1 to the FFM and my podcast listeners, but also everyone in my life. If you spent a night with me somewhere, whether it be a bachelorette party, a beach weekend, or a friend's vacation, you know that I have my travel AG1 packs with me and that I've packed extras for you to try. I am all about sharing the love of AG1 and getting people hooked like me. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. That's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com FFF. That's drinkag1.com FFF to check it out. Okay, another question. I, because... I think you're also doing stuff all day. Like your hours are kind of like a creator's in the sense yeah. where like you're never not really working and you're talking a lot. You're doing all of this. Do you ever feel, I noticed I do this last night where I will have something I need to say to someone. Like I'll have a topic that like I know I should talk to Joe about whether it's like a planning thing or something, but I'm just like, I don't have the energy to, to, speak to talk right now. Unfortunately, my mom gets the, the brunt of it because she'll call me at the end of the day. Like, how was your day? I'm like, it was fine. Like, I'm not in the mood. But, like, I'll be saying it in my head. And, like, I know I should, like, last night. No, I'll, I'll know I want to tell her something. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm not I today. can't. I just, and I noticed I did this in Florida the other day. Joe, like, called, asked me a question. He's like, where are you going? And I heard him. But I just let the door close and kept walking. And then I went back in and I was like. <laughs> That's rude. I actively ignore you sometimes because I don't have the energy to answer. And that's <laughs> so rude. <laughs> sometimes I find it easier when I feel that way because I do start to feel that way but you're also talking to a camera all day yeah but sometimes I find it easier to text like I'll I'll find myself avoiding phone calls oh I hate texting because I'd rather just like how was your day my day was good I did this and then if my mom calls to follow up for more details I'm like I'll I'll tell you later but a text feels lower left I was just thinking about this last night where I was like I literally like have conversations in my head that I just don't have the energy to say aloud. Another thing- I can't believe you ignore Joe. No, it's actually really bad. I, I need to work on it. Another thing I love about you is that you don't drink. Yeah. So, but you stopped drinking. Give us the lowdown, like it, way earlier when- Yeah, it, when I say it, it sounds like I had a problem with yeah, alcohol. Yeah, actually thought so too. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, dabbled in high school the way that everybody does. I did not have a drinking problem, but 
I, it always made me feel sick, but I just thought that's what alcohol did. And then in college, when people dabble a lot more, I was feeling sick all the time, just from like going out with my friends to frat parties or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And I went to a doctor and they said, you really can't break down alcohol. Like you don't have the enzymes to, to break it down. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people have negative reactions when they drink. Yeah. Maybe they get hives or they get migraines or they get flushed. And a lot of people just power through. But it just wasn't that appealing to me. Like, I, I hated not feeling well. And so I, <laughs> I stopped drinking my freshman year of college. But I'm curious because the number one question I get is like, what do you do when people peer pressure you? I'm like, I'm 33. If someone's peer pressuring me to drink, I would look them in the eyes and be like, grow the fuck up. But in college, there was a lot of peer pressure. But how did you navigate that? I had amazing friends that were so supportive. And even if, you know, there was a situation where somebody was like, oh, do you want to drink? And I would say, no, thanks. And then someone would pressure. I would have my friend would step in and say, no, she doesn't drink or she's Mm -hmm. not interested or let's go do something else. And so my friends were always really supportive. And I, I guess I just, I wasn't tempted by it. I used to describe it as if let's say you got food poisoning from a sushi, you know, meal and someone was like, do you want sushi? And you're like, "No." no. And if they were like, are you sure? You'd be like, yeah. Right. So like alcohol was so not interesting to me that even when someone would pressure me like, oh, like, let's just take a shot. I'm like, no. Like I was I was kind of disgusted by it. I guess that's true because I think that's one of the harder things when I stopped. I have no interest in it, but I did love like you were like, I'm craving like the, you know, right, like I'll crave the taste of a something. draft beer. So if <laughs> Joe ever gets one, that's the number one thing I miss. Yeah. Like I love athletic brewing for a non-alcoholic beer, but it's not draft. And there is a difference. Like I want a draft IPA. Right. And so whenever Joe gets one, I will have the first few sips. And yeah. I'm like, that's all I wanted. Yeah. I, I always, I'll have sips of what my friends are drinking because I'm just curious, like if they have a really like, yeah. pretty mocktail that, or cocktail, cocktail that I want to make. I don't really get mocktails though. I, I usually, don't, I, people are always asking me for mocktail stuff. I'm like, I'm I like, just rather have get a seltzer. club soda yeah. with lime or Coke. Yeah, or Coke. But are you ginger ale? Coke or Diet Coke? Regular. Same. And I, I hate feel diet. like we're not the norm. No, we're not. I actually almost feel weird ordering a regular Coke. Like I missed the first word. But yeah, I'm like a Coke yeah. with lime. Yeah. But Joe also thinks that's weird that I get it with lime. But I think that's a thing. I think diet I like lime Coke or goes lemon. with lemon. Whatever. How is it dating? Dating was hard. I think because you go to drinks. That's just right. a natural. I would never tell somebody before a date that I didn't drink because okay. I'd rather have that conversation with them in person. And I think when you say you don't drink, people might assume like, oh, she's she's no fun. She'll, she'll never mm-hmm. want to go out. And I love going out. I love you dancing. You later than I do. Yeah, not so much anymore. I think I've my old age. But what um, you used to, I'd be like in awe. Yeah, but it's, dating was weird because then the person I was out with would say, oh, like, should I not have a drink or should we go somewhere somewhere else? Right. I'm like, no, like I'm I'm fine having a club soda and you should have what you normally have. And, but it, I guess it made dates. I knew after a first date, if I was interested in somebody because there's no alcohol involved. It's not like, oh, we had a great time. And maybe I was just tipsy and, mm-hmm. you know, had a great time with them. It's like, I get to know them. That's also true. And I think I get asked a lot of like, what would you do if you weren't drinking and you were dating? Because obviously I have never experienced that. But I also think it gives you the ability to right off the bat decide whether someone's going to be a potential fit or right. an absolute not. Because some people would be like, oh, you don't, dr- oh, like really oh my gosh, weird yeah. about it. And How like, they reacted okay, to me. So- telling them I didn't drink was like, told me everything I needed to know. Like I had people that would say, oh, you know, how do you have any fun? 
Right. And I was like, you know, I, I have a great time. But if if that person, if their definition of fun is is drinking all the time, then that's just probably not going to be a great fit. Mm-hmm. Or like judging or peer pressuring. Like yeah. right off the bat, you know, this is just not going to be But I understand they're, they're usually curious. It's like, oh, why of don't course. you drink? Do you do drugs? Do you like to smoke? Like there's always the, yeah. the follow-up questions. I'm like, no, I'm I'm a square. Why? Well, why, what is it about weed that you don't enjoy? I just think I'm a little bit of an anxious person. And so I think when you smoke or you know, take edibles or whatever, like whatever state you're in is kind of what you're going to continue to be in. So I think if I drank and maybe had a glass of wine to take the edge off and then smoked, I would enjoy it. But since I'm not drinking, I just, I can't, I can't get into it. I, I'm not telling, I'm not, I know people not pressuring people you love to it. I listened it, to your episode on mushrooms. I love it so much. I wonder if you would love it. If it yeah, would help. Because for me, I feel it quiets my brain. Yeah, which is why that. I love it. Where like I can just then like actually calm the fuck down. I I use naps for that. Like I feel <laughs> like if I'm overwhelmed and like there's too much to do and I need like a 30 minute, like I'll just fall asleep. I do that too. But I, when I have time. I like, would like something at like a party. Because I think yes. like when you go to a wedding mm-hmm. and everyone's drinking and you know, you get tired. Like well, you're you get exhausted yeah. by the end of the party. And if you were somebody that was drinking, like you, maybe you would take a shot and like you would have a new mm-hmm. wave or, you know, things that weren't maybe the most fun become more fun because everybody's yeah. drunk. And well, that's the other thing. When everyone's drunk and you're sober, it's like there hits a point where everyone's just fucking annoying. Yeah. And I try not to be like a judgy non-drinker. But like there is a point where I'm like, you're just bothering me. Or you're having conversations and someone, you know, they yes. keep repeating themselves and yes. you're just like, I can't talk to you anymore. Like I just, so yeah. I, I like to find the least drunk person at the party around like midnight, 1 a.m. I'm like, okay, you're my, you're my person now. And we'll just hang out for the rest of the night. Yeah. Okay. I did ask for some listener questions. Okay. Okay. This is specific to like working for yourself, I yeah. think, less not even specific to our industry, but how do you organize your day slash week and balance and prioritize your to-do list? Ooh, I started, I don't know if you do this or if we talked about this. I started time blocking my calendar. In my dream world, mine would be time blocked. So it's almost like it functions kind of like a to-do list. I time block my calendar. So I run through everything that I know I have coming up that day or that week and I'll put it in my calendar. So someone's podcast launches this day. Someone has a brand partnership coming out this day. I know I have to make these TikToks for these three people and I'll block off the calendar. Obviously things come up. I think that is the nature of our business and, and probably any business is what you thought you were going to get done on Monday. Of course. You get hit with a you know an email or a text or something at noon and it totally changes your day. But then I know if I've already time blocked it, then I'll just move the blocks. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so I thought I was going to do this at 1 p.m. I'm not going to get till it until 4 p.m. And then I think over communicating with everybody that I'm working with, because everybody knows I, you know, I, I'm I'm not just working with you. And so if you send me something, I say, okay, great. I can get to this this afternoon. Does that work for you? And knowing where that falls on your list of priorities so that I know where I should prioritize it. Yep. Like if it's something that's timely, I want to do it sooner rather than later. But if you say tomorrow's fine or later this week is fine, then I'll move it in the calendar. I think time blocking 
if you're someone who's working in an industry where like you're wearing a few hats, what I find, which you are, I am, many people are, time blocking is very helpful and almost day blocking if you can. Like in my dream world, I would be like recording episodes one day, filming content the next day, doing like emails one day because my brain is then able to actually focus instead of jumping all over the place. And I think being a mom then adds in another layer of like constantly being 10,000 places at once, but figuring out blocks of windows where you can really commit to like using one portion of your brain and focusing on one specific type of work or client and then moving to the next. I think that's the hardest is like, I'll be doing something for you and then I'll get a text from someone else like, and I forget what I was doing. So lots of to-do lists, lots of time blocking. And then, you know, I think sometimes I write things down even on with a pen and paper just to make myself feel better. Absolutely same. Okay, for someone who wants to be a creator, how do you balance the like polish of a professional account and the like realism of being a human? And I can't answer this because I well, don't you're think a I human. Do that. I I think people want on social media like the the jig is up. People know mm-hmm. there's glam teams, there's editing, there's lighting. Like everybody is well aware at this point. Whereas I think you know, 10, 20 years ago. I just thought every celebrity had great hair. Like I thought to be a celebrity, you had to have good hair. I didn't realize that everyone had hair extensions. Like I had no idea. And so I think now that people are aware of everything that's going on behind the scenes, they want to see real. I do think if you're a business or maybe you're selling a product. It's a little different. It's a little different because, for example, an Instagram page kind of functions like a website now. Mm -hmm. So you want to see up front the quality, I think, that you're getting. But I think when it comes to the human interest side, people want vulnerability. Like the the polished is not exciting to them anymore. I think I struggle sometimes personally because I feel my account is not polished whatsoever, which is how I feel comfortable in showing up every day because I've created that for myself of like, this is just what you're getting. But I feel not vulnerable, but like when I think about a brand who's talking about who do we want to work with and my name gets thrown in the ring, if they looked at my account, I'd be like, no. But if they watched your content, <laughs> they'd be like, oh, interesting. And, and I think, you know, when we think about your conversion rate, yeah, you have an incredibly high conversion rate because your audience is so engaged with you and you have so much trust with your community. So... I, and at the end of the day, that is what a brand should be looking for in terms of who they're working with. Agreed. And I'm not saying I don't, who knows if it holds me back because right. I don't know what the result would be if I right. was more But polished. that's just not you. But it's just not me. And it's funny when you do, you know, when we have a photo shoot for something and you have <laughs> hair and makeup and a stylist and, you know, people love those photos too because it's, it, they've never seen that side of you. Yes and no. Like, yes, they, they love, love it, it at first. But then it's like, a photo from that shoot will sometimes get less traction than a random like your toddler's mirror lunch. selfie. <laughs> yeah, literally, or my toddler's lunch. So it it depends. But I do, I think you kind of train your consumer to view you a certain way. And so when you, when you show them something different, which is the same reason why everyone loves to see celebrities without makeup or, yeah. you know, behind the scenes content because they're normally so used to seeing these people on the cover of magazines or, you know, very red carpet photos. Which is kind of what I said almost about Serena. Like, I know I've said this to you. I think I said this to her where I was like, if I put out something like she put out, people would be like, what the fuck is (laughs) happening here? And vice versa, if she put out something like I put up, they'd be like, what? Like your community is following you for you you and like has 
been wired to receive content a specific way. From you. Yes, totally. If you made a really polished ad with, you know, high quality cameras and lighting, I don't think your consumer would engage. Like, I don't don't think your your followers would be so confused and I don't think it would feel inauthentic to them. Agreed. Versus someone who's known for that type of work. It's, yeah, their audience is is excited for it. And then the last question that I want to cover from a listener is like, if they're interested in being in this industry, but not talent in front of the camera. So doing something maybe along the lines of you, like what would be your advice? It's interesting because I, I meet people all the time that are interested in kind of getting involved in the space. And I think there are so many roles, so many roles in the support side, whether it's PR executive functioning or content creation, podcast editing, mm-hmm. podcast video editing. Like, right. Video specifically. Editing. Like I, yeah. I said to you, I, I could try and edit your podcast clips, but I'm not great it's at not that. It's not a good use. It's yeah, exactly there's, what we were there's saying. people that are really, you know, that's become their craft. So I think one, building your network, whether it's reaching out to somebody like me or directly mm-hmm. to talent saying, I'd love to help you with X, Y, Z. And then also honing in on what exactly you want your skill set to be. Because I think, you know, I've had people reach out to me thinking I do something else and saying, oh, can you help me with this? And I'm like, oh, that's actually not my wheelhouse, but let me connect you with someone that yeah. does do that specifically for brand marketing or, you know, photography. So, I, yeah, I think building your network is kind of the first step. And then not being afraid to keep teaching yourself things. I think specifically on this side of the camera, and I'm sure you experience this too, you don't have a boss. No. And there's not really... I wish. Sometimes I really do wish. Uh, Isn't that funny? We do everything in our power to work for ourselves. Right. And now I'm like, I just wish I had someone to tell me what to do. Tell me what to do or have the answers. Mm-hmm. I, like I miss... I was like, I don't know how to do this. And I would go to my manager and I had great mm-hmm. managers when I was in corporate America. And they'd say, let me help like you. Or- hours on YouTube trying to watch a video of how to teach me how to do I mean, something. I'm in Reddit threads looking yeah. at things. I And I think, you know, or I'm downloading... Like we learn how to use CapCut or you right, learn like how to all use the- all these editing tools and or I buy a new camera because, mm-hmm. you know, all the influencers are using digital cameras now. And so I have to learn kind of as I go. And so being open to kind of building your skill set to yeah. what the market is looking for. I also think and I know you do this when you're in any industry, like putting yourself out there as a potential for new hire or a team member, et cetera, putting together some type of like, this is what I envision and what I would bring to the table. Because I get a lot of DMs of like, hey, are you hiring X, Y, Z? I'll do anything for you. Right. (laughs) That kind of thing. Yeah. What you did and what I know you've done for other talent because you've shown me is like, this is what I do. This is how I think I would help you. And literally you've made a few videos for people of being like, this is just an example of what I do. Because then when I see that, I'm like, well, shit, that's nice. Right. I would never think to do that. Like right. I would love to have someone who's just creating this stuff for me that I didn't even know was plausible. Right. So I do think that's helpful, whether it's this industry or any, sending some type of example, of like this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say I would bring this to the table. Yeah, especially I think when it's a newer industry. Where, yes. You know, there aren't very clear roles and titles and yeah. scopes of work. So saying, you know, here's a, exactly the type of work that I would uh, I would right. do for you. And not being afraid of rejection. Like I, oh my God, I yeah. sent probably 200 emails to different managers and PR teams saying, you know, here's how I work with talent. I'd, be, mm-hmm. I'd love to work with your talent or I'd love to have a call and 99% of them either didn't respond or said right. thanks, but no thanks. I mean, me and my podcast pitches, are you kidding me? Right. 
shoot your fucking shot. Right. The worst someone could say is no or not right now. Yeah. And you never know. You never know. I love you. For people who like, I mean, I think you should have a full fucking team because (laughs) you do so much. Or who are just interested, like where, should they go to your website? Yeah, I think go to my website if they want to email me. Sapperandcreative.com. All right. One day you're going to rule the world. We will work with Blake Lively. Who else do we want to put out there? I know that's like one of our tops. We will date Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper is taken right now. Okay, Um, whatever. Hilary Duff. Hilary Duff. Always. Cameron Diaz. Same. I mean, look, all the people I want on my show. Yeah. So So I'll work with them and then they'll be on your show. Exactly. All right. I love you. Love you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.